entering the Freedom Hut. It is the last Buck Sexton show of the decade, my friends. Exciting stuff to get to today, and obviously the way to kick off your holiday season is right here in the Freedom Hut. We will talk about Pelosi holding back impeachment articles. Is this, in fact, the best decade in human history? J.K. Rowling is in the middle of the social justice mess. And also, oh, that's right, there was a Democrat debate last night coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. What does it feel like to be the third president in U.S. history to be impeached? Well, I don't feel like I'm being impeached because uh, it's a hoax. It's a setup. It's a horrible thing they did. They happened to have a small majority, and they took that small majority, and they forced people. And, you know, they said, oh, I watched Pelosi out there saying, oh, no, we don't want to talk to anybody. They put the arm on everybody. They tried to get them to do what they had to do. Many of those people were like Jeff, where they didn't want to vote that way. But it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel like impeachment. Last night I said it. I, I, we had a great time last night. The room was packed. Thousands of people couldn't get in. Uh, a section that really is a pretty much 50-50 section in terms of Democrat-Republican. Uh, we had every one of those people is voting for Trump-Pence, every one of them. And it's Michigan, an important state. We brought back tremendous amounts of business, tremendous car companies coming in, everything else. And I'll tell you, I was up there and I was thinking about it. I actually said it. It doesn't feel like impeachment. Doesn't feel like impeachment to me either. And now there's a real question as to whether it technically is even impeachment. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, man. Last show of the decade. This is crazy. It's pretty uh, pretty amazing, too, to come full circle here. It, it, we started. I started doing the Buck Sexton Show, I believe it was in 2012, although some of you who are original Saturday Squad may tell me it was 2013, but pretty much the start of the decade, and now we're coming into the end of the decade and uh there's actual news this week you know usually this time of year we would do a show on like the history of the real santa claus or uh christmas celebrations around the world i gotta bring back the dracula show for next year by the way for halloween i'm I'm really and really do it up like really go to the next level people missed that one this year and maybe even do a reprise of the lepanto show it's been so many years now i feel like we go back and redo it and you know kick it up a notch isn't that what emerald lagasse used to say right and, and also, bam! Right? Isn't that his thing? Wasn't that his? I think it. Yeah, it was bam and kick it up. A kick notch. it up yeah. a notch. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's what we might do with that. Anyway, we we did. And I remember one year we did a Battle of the Bulge show, which was just really interesting. I got to interview a bunch of Battle of the Bulge veterans, uh, including one guy who was captured. I mean, just harrowing stuff. Um, but today we have news to get into, including the uh, the latest here. I mean, Pelosi has managed to. Uh, box herself into a corner. Uh, there are people who are pointing out now the Democrats' own expert witness on their side. The guy, I mean, he looked kind of like, you know, uh, like Professor Snape's cousin from Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling also in the news for other reasons. We'll get to that. Uh, but the guy who was the, their main sort of dapper constitutional witness who is also saying that President Trump should be impeached. It's no surprise. No surprise there. He's been handpicked for exactly that reason. But uh, Harvard Law professor, whatever his name is, I don't even remember this guy's name now, uh, Feldman, Noah Feldman, there we go. 
He said that if the House does not communicate its impeachment to the Senate, it hasn't actually impeached the president. If the articles are not transmitted, Trump could legitimately say he wasn't truly impeached at all. This is beautiful. I mean, this is perfect. This is a a nice gift for Buck, the Freedom Hut, and all of America for Christmas and, of course, for my birthday, which is December 28th. And let me tell you right now that for those of you that only listen on our wonderful affiliate stations on radio across the country, if you want to hear the special birthday message I have, and it's a real, it's a show, basically. It's a short podcast we've done. But if you want to hear the special birthday message, podcast you gotta subscribe and so all i want for my birthday is everybody listening to this to subscribe even if i'm your first ever podcast in fact i should be your first ever if you don't listen to podcasts on the iheart app or on itunes subscribe to the buck sexton show we even have a new what do we call that a new thing with a photo on my face that goes up with the podcast what, what's that called the logo a logo is it a logo is that, to this has got to be a cooler word there's got to be a cooler name than a logo. new branding producer producer i was about to call you producer brandon that's the kind of mood i'm in today wow Just to, yeah uh so at least it wasn't producer john though whom we miss whom we miss he'll come you, back you just looked at me and called me john the other day that's what i'm saying you know. but at least we didn't do that today but uh, here's here's so you got to download the subscribe. Forget about down subscribe to the Buck Session Show podcast, and you'll hear a special birthday message, um, a special birthday show, I should say. Uh, the iHeart app, it's free. Download it, please check it out. That is my pitch to all of you listening on stations across the country. If you don't download or subscribe to the podcast of the Buck Session Show, you're not going to hear the special birthday message, and it's worth it, I think. Some of the producers who heard it were like, "Oh, that's actually really interesting." So. Pelosi has made this much more complicated for herself than she intended, I suppose. But then again, she's just been making it up as she goes along with this whole fiasco. Remember, the Mueller probe was supposed to be the signed, sealed and delivered impeachment roadmap. And then Mueller went on the air or rather went well, was on the air in a sense, but did get his testimony. And it was clear that he did not, in fact, know that much about the report that he was supposedly he, and it was and at that point it was obvious he was just the front man for it he was the facade oh Mueller is an honest good guy although there's even some questions about his fbi past when he was director you look at the uh, anthrax case how that was handled but you know Mueller's he, he, marine you know service country ethical guy seems like a straight straight edge straight and narrow kind of dude weissman everybody knows is like you might as well put uh, you know, Lawrence O'Donnell, Rachel Maddow and you know Don Lemon in charge of the investigation of Trump under the special counsel probe. I and mean, Weissman's just a far left Democrat partisan. And we knew that after Mueller gave his testimony, it was clear that Weissman was the guy really running the show. So he was supposed to, and he, he laid it out in that way with the 10 articles of impeachment. That was, OK, here you go. That was the alley-oop. That was the throw it up and let somebody else jam it down the net. Two points. See, I know some sports, producer Mark. I know some sports. And unfortunately, it didn't work for them. I and mean, fortunately for the country and for the rest of us. So then they had to come up with this whole whistleblower and a new round of impeachment theorizing. But they've had to scramble. Clearly, this was not the plan. The plan was not this. Uh, and when I mean the plan, I'm talking about stretching back a year or two or three ago. It was not to use this whistleblower complaint in this way. This is the this is a desperation play. And so Nancy Pelosi now has to do this or has decided to I shouldn't say has to this game where 
the Senate shall have the sole responsibility for trying impeachments. And Pelosi saying, well, we're not going to let the Senate do its constitutional duty unless the Senate tries the impeachment the way we say it should. It's not how this works, Nancy. It's not it's not how this works. I mean, imagine for a second if the House said, well, well, hold on. You know, you you in the Senate, you don't get to determine you don't get to determine what goes on with a treaty. You know, you're not allowed to ratify a treaty. We're going to tell you we're, we'll defund the government unless you do the treaty the way we say we uh, the way that we say you should. I mean, this is, an, uh, again, an Alinskyite approach. This is messing up the process when it doesn't work for you and abusing the process when it does. And this is what Democrats do all the time. How could anyone claim that there's even even the slightest bit of good faith in any of this? It was a rush. We must impeach. National security is at stake because of eastern Ukraine. Forget about how many Americans, how many members of Congress could have asked Fine, without names put on the Eurasian countries, find where Donbass is. If we just had the, the outlines of the countries, just showed where that is in, in the, on the Eurasian landmass, uh, land do you think any of them could find where the Donbass region of Ukraine is? These people have no idea. And by the way, how many of them even know that there is this breakaway problem? Could they name it? Do they know what uh, Luhansk and Donetsk are? I mean, they talk about this as though they have some great care for it, but as we know, Many of them would probably pull a what is Aleppo moment. For those of you who recall that from the last presidential cycle, what is Aleppo? That was the great libertarian hope. Whoops. So Pelosi now is telling the Senate that you have to do it the way that we say you should do it or else we're not going to push through the articles of impeachment to you, which then raises a question. Has the president really been if it's never handed to the Senate, is the president impeached? And how long can Pelosi delay this while still claiming that there was an urgency, there was a national security imperative to transfer this to the Senate as quickly as possible? Oh, now it doesn't have to be as quickly as possible. Now it's something else because it changes every day. Their case changes depending on what they need for that day. You know, whatever whatever stage of their attack on President Trump they're in, that is what their analysis will dictate. That is what their constitutional obligations as they say, will force upon them. Isn't it amazing to hear Democrats who never really talk about the Constitution and they don't talk about the founding fathers until now, until they're desperate to cloak themselves in this uh, very high minded sounding language of, of governance and the Republic and the founding and so American. These are the people that believe in open borders and that effectively anybody from anywhere in the world is just as much an American citizen as you. They just have to show up and stay. Oh, but they're so they're so American, these Democrats in Congress. They really represent the best of this country. Uh, it's it's both hilarious and terrifying to hear them make the case in such a disingenuous and dishonest way. It's something that should unsettle everybody, I think. Um, but, you know, what's even more unsettling than that when Nancy Pelosi is blabbering on and making absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, on substance or on style. I have questions here about what this means for Pelosi. Please play clip 16. The Republicans have said, I'm looking like you're playing games with impeachment if you hold on to these articles for too long. I said what I was going to say, Nancy. We are, we, 
have to, I have, when we bring the bill, which is just so you know, there's a bill made in order by the rules committee that we can call up at any time in order to send it over to the Senate and to have the provisions in there to pay for the for the impeachment. <coughs> And then the next step, the, uh, the whatever you want to call it, the, the the trial. That is where you put the managers. I was not prepared to put the managers and that bill yet because we don't know the arena that we are in. Frankly, I don't care what the Republicans say. Any other questions? Not on this subject. I've said this is it. I honored Nancy. Notice how she wants to move on pretty quickly past that doesn't want to have to answer any real questions about what happens now at this phase. They've had their impeachment vote, strict party line vote. Democrats, once again, abandoning a principle the Democratic Party pretended to care about until all of a sudden it was inconvenient and then the principle disappears. Here you have Pelosi saying, I don't care what the Republicans say. Any other questions not on this subject? I've said this is it. Notice how the you know, reporters also a lot of them go, oh, whatever Queen Nancy says. No, when a politician is doing a press conference and there's one issue more important than any other, and it looks like she's in a tough spot to answer the questions because she's being dishonest, because she's lying to the American people. That's when you would, if you had a real press corps, they would pounce. Uh, But they said uh, another question last night, you suggested you'd proceed with a fair process in the Senate. She responded, well, we'd like to see a fair process, but we'll see what they have and we'll be ready for whatever it is. Is that a requirement for you to see a fair process before sending over the articles? Speaker Pelosi, we would hope there would be a fair process, just as we would hope they would honor the honor the Constitution. By the way, I saw some of it, Pelosi said. I didn't see it, but I heard some of what McConnell said today. It reminded me that our founders, when they wrote the Constitution, they suspected there could be a rogue president. I don't think that they could have suspected a rogue president and a rogue leader in the Senate at the same time. Well, what kind of uh, insane smear is that? A rogue Mitch McConnell's a rogue Senate leader. How is he a rogue Senate leader? Nancy Pelosi's the one who's doing what everybody agrees is at least really weird. Oh, you're not going to just hand over the articles of impeachment to the Senate. You're not going to transmit them. You're just going to hold on to them. This is a game, folks. She's playing games. It's supposed to be somber and serious, but she's playing games. There's no there's no honest, good faith debate to be uh, had here. People that try to disagree with this are hacks. They're clowns. They're liars. I don't care what degree they have or what network they're on. Even CNN, which is my friend Charles writes today, is not a news network. Boom. What have I been telling you all along? Of course it's not. But it's a joke. Put out a challenge right now. Tapper, Lemon, Cuomo, Burnett. Any of them want to debate whether CNN is a news network? I'm happy to come on their show and have that debate with them anytime. They won't. They'd get smoked, but still, I'm happy to do it. I put it out there. Any any of their primetime anchors, any single one of them is CNN a news network. Put out that challenge right now. Okay. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, to, uh, to that end, you've talked and criticized Senator McConnell today. Pelosi says, any other questions? She wants to move past this. Move past it. Doesn't want to answer any more questions. Anybody want to talk about the Mexico free trade agreement? Anybody care about that? Jobs for the American people, progress in addressing globalism and the issues? Anybody want to talk about the SALT tax that we're passing today? Important issues related to the economic vitality of our communities. Any other questions? Because I'm not going to answer any more questions on this. See, Pelosi gets to dictate to her little scribes in the journo class, gets to dictate to them what 
they are allowed to ask what they're allowed to do. And they go, oh, okay, Nancy, whatever you say. Because they speak truth to power. They grovel at the feet of power as long as it is Democrat power, as long as leftist socialist power. They're absolutely fine with that. In fact, they know that that's career enhancing and ideologically in line with what all these journos believe, with the exception of some people at conservative outlets and Fox News. Everybody else is like, oh, yes, we pray at the feet of Pelosi. It's pathetic. I mean, this is absurd. She's completely gone back on the entire case that she's been making for the urgency here. And now she's shown that 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 whole that was all a lie. I mean, this is the equivalent of, you know, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. No, it was all a lie. Obama knew it was a lie when he said it. Pelosi has known all along that the urgency here has nothing to do with national security. Only a moron believes that the urgency is strictly a function of Democrats need to get this done within a certain timetable because they have people that are running for president against Trump. That's all this is. That's it. Pelosi doesn't have any good answers. And so that's why she gets to stare down all these different journals and go, zip it, just like she did to her Democrats when they were somber and serious voting for impeachment that now we sit here and ask Democrats, you know, sometimes people ask the question that, you know, they'll say that's that's the, the guy that can't shoot straight. Democrats can't just get an impeachment through as it should. Stunning, isn't it? But I guess not surprising. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Isn't this exciting, everybody? On on radio and podcast, you can't. But those on watching Pluto, uh, watching on Pluto TV, see, this is why it's fun to be able to watch the, in the Freedom Hut. I have a Jamaica No Problem memento here, which looks like the top of a beer bottle that has been severed to form a shot glass. It is a memento from producer Mark. Producer Mark, thank you. I, I feel like You're I was welcome. basically there with you on the beach. I would have brought you the rum, but you know, gluten. Yeah, no, rum doesn't have gluten. Really? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. sugar. Ah, okay. okay. My I, Next time. I thought tequila was the only one that didn't no, have gluten. Tequila and rum, and actually, okay. distilled spirits usually are gluten free okay. in general. Just I beer, I can't have. So when you want to poison me, just pour beer in my in my milkshake, and that'll will do. There we go. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got a special treat for you all as our end of the decade Buck Sexton Show show happens. We have our friend Jesse Kelly in the mix. He is, of course, the host of the Jesse Kelly Show, also on the first. Joining me and Mike Slater and some other fabulous people who will be announced in the relatively near future, in the weeks ahead, probably in the new year. Jesse Kelly, sir, how are you of the Jesse Kelly Show? Oh, we are coming up on Christmas break where my kids will be home all the time and I have to go visit my in-laws, so I'll be better. Oh, wow. I, I want to get into a little bit of a, Je- a very Jesse Kelly Christmas in, in a couple minutes. But first, because this is a news show, of course, and we talk about what's going on in the world, as you do on your fantastic show, which is also here on Pluto Channel 248, the first uh, on Pluto TV. Tell me uh, what's your reaction to this Nancy Pelosi gambit of I'm just going to like maybe not pass on the impeachment stuff until they do what I tell them as if she has leverage here. I don't understand where she thinks this leverage comes from. Disagree. I think it's the most brilliant political move I've seen in a long time. I think she should flat out come out today and say we are not sending it to the Senate ever consider it dead on arrival because we live in the nuclear news cycle now where everything burns super hot, but it's only gone. But it's gone in a day. 
She would get crushed for a day, but it's a Friday. She could it would be gone by Monday. By the time everyone had breakfast on Monday, people would have forgotten all about the impeachment. Then she never has to she never has to endure the Senate trial. She gets to have her little piece of cake and then let it go. It's wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, maybe if you're saying the delay for a day or two, but Jesse, she's there's there's talk of her delaying it for weeks, perhaps even months, so they can get more information to try and leverage that against the president along the way. How does this not make the whole case crumble for the urgency of impeachment? Yes, but you're missing the point. The whole case has crumbled. Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, even though she's not entirely lucid anymore, is no spring chicken. She's been around. She's been around this game a long time. This has been a humongous political disaster for Democrats. She wants this thing to go away. She wants it to go away fast. I think she should bury it right now in her backyard and tell everybody, I'm not sending it to the Senate. Screw y'all. And everyone will get mad at her for a couple days. Wait, but that doesn't. Oh, wait, hold, hold on, hold on, my man, Jesse. That doesn't bury it. It just that just means that there's always this. When is she gonna? You know, you're saying she indefinitely holds it, and that's better than because by there's also the argument that the president hasn't even been impeached, which is the whole point for the left wing base and the lunatics out there that at least now he's impeached, and that's supposed to be some kind of stain on his presidency. She wouldn't even accomplish that. Yes, but yes, she would in their mind, and that's all she ever had to do for you're, her. Baby. You are wargaming this from the position of crazy, and I respect that about you. But Jesse, I don't know if you're crazy enough. No, listen, listen, it's brilliant. They went through their own part. They went through the part of this impeachment that they controlled, the part in the House. They they saw all the poll numbers in the swing states. They took an absolute beating on it. She wants this thing to die now. She wants this thing to end now. She does not want to send this over to the United States Senate where Mitch McConnell will have control of it. And we all know he'll abuse Democrats with that control of it. Just say, I'm not sending it to him. Screw y'all and bury it. Everyone will get mad. We'll all have forgotten by him about impeachment by Monday morning. I mean, this is, look, it's bold. I, I will say right now, Jesse, you and I have to have a gentleman's bet for which one of us will buy the other a very over overpriced stake in New York City, she's going to transmit these articles of impeachment. There's no way she holds it. Are you going to tell me right now? We're on air. Are you going to tell me you think she might actually bury this in the backyard? Never actually transmit? I think she buries it. Yep. Wow. All right. All right. Jesse and I have a bet now. I think she passes it along. Jesse thinks she buries it in the backyard. And there's a stake hanging in the balance here. Either way, it won't be as good as your stakes down in Houston, Jesse, but we try up here in this frigid northeastern corridor of liberal insanity. Um, I also have to ask you about the. By the way, I mean, I'll be honest. I read the transcript. I woke up this morning, drank my coffee, read the transcript, and saw some clip. I didn't watch the whole debate last night. I took a night off. Oh, yeah, as you should have. Nobody should watch this anymore. And to be totally honest with you, Joe Biden's team has done him a tremendous disservice by still making him debate. His numbers have not moved. He is by far the far and away front runner. And he's only killing his general election chances even more. That little soundbite he had last night when asked if you would wipe out hundreds of thousands of Midwest construction jobs. And he responded, yes. Oh, wait, wait. I think I think we actually I want it because that was my favorite moment of the debate. And we didn't even coordinate this beforehand. Do you have that one, producer Mark? The uh, knocking out the jobs. Uh, Joe Biden talking about. Yes, here we go. 17, 17. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. 
I don't know how you can walk away from that the same way that Democrats are eventually Jesse. And I I will tell you, I even said this on the Bill Maher show. And Bill was like, yeah, that was bad. When you had Democrats on stage who were all like free health care for illegals, who wants to do it? And everybody on the stage, it was granted one of two debate stages. You know, they had to split it up. But everybody on stage said, yeah, let's give free health care to anybody who's here illegally. That's going to be a problem for them. This could be an even bigger problem because this is Joe Biden saying, I'm so down with the Green New Deal and all that other nonsense that I don't care if you get fired. Oh, it's death, Buck. And think about this. I mean, everybody knows this. You don't decide elections. I don't decide elections here in Texas. It's the Rust Belt swing states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Everybody knows Wisconsin. These are the states that decide elections. Do you have any idea how many times Donald Trump is going to play that clip you just played for those people in those Rust Belt swing states? Joe Biden is going to get slaughtered in the Midwest. Just for that clip alone, he should not do a single debate, a single other debate. They should announce it today. Joe Biden has debated enough. We've had 10 debates. He's the faraway frontrunner. He's he's just going to go campaign. I think that one of the worst moments, and this is saying a lot, by the way, um, in the last election cycle for Democrats was when you had Hillary Clinton. Do you remember this? Talking about uh, coal miners. Yep. Because all of a sudden... Uh, you know, it became clear that they really do. You know, this is where the socialist mask slips a little too much. And all of a sudden you see that the central planning impulse from the Democrats where they're like, yeah, we promise you all this good stuff. Some of you are going to get completely you know, screwed over in this process. And that's just the cost of doing business. That's the problem with the buck. It's not necessarily do you believe in climate change or don't. It's when he says things like that, when Hillary Clinton said that about the coal, when Joe Biden says it last night, they sound so cold. They sound so callous. They just don't sound like they give a crap about working people. And there's nothing worse you can be in politics than obviously cold and uncaring. Can I just give you, I mean, I I want to pull the exact quote back in March of 2016. And this was, remember, people, where this, what matters in what states, you know, it's not about what people in San Francisco and New York or, you know, red parts of Texas think. It's what do people in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, you know, these are the states that really matter that are in play uh, and, you know, at the presidential level. And Hillary said in March of 2016, as part of an answer on energy, Quote, we're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's the thing. She could have even skipped the miners part. I mean, you could have just stuck with coal companies. Not that that's any better. But when you when you specify the miners, when Joe Biden is asked last night, what about those hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers? Oh, yeah, they can be displaced. You sound like a Washington elitist who has never had to work a day in your life and you don't understand how people put food on the table. Yeah, that was I think that was a very, a very bad moment for Joe Biden. That I mean, that's a that's an ad. That's an ad right there for Trump that they should just run. I mean, just run that ad of Joe Biden saying that over and over and over again, um, because it's it's completely uh, off base and insane. But I also wanted to get you. I feel like you'd have a fun take on this. Were you uh, up on the Warren versus Mayor Pete wine cave ruckus? No, I actually was not. I saw that trending online, but I didn't watch the debate. I caught the highlights. What is this wine cave thing? Well, we can actually we can play it for you. We can play the exchange and then we can get your reaction to it in real time. Play 20. So the mayor just recently had a fundraiser that was held in a wine cave full of crystals and served $900 a bottle wine. Um, Think about who comes to that. He had promised that every fundraiser he would do would be open door, but this one was closed door. We made the decision many years ago 
that rich people in smoke-filled rooms would not pick the next president of the United States. Billionaires in wine caves should not pick the next president of the United States. Mr. Mayor, your response. You know, according to Forbes magazine, I am literally the only person on this stage who's not a millionaire or a billionaire. So if this is important. This is the problem with issuing purity tests you cannot yourself pass. If I pledge, if I pledge never to be in the company of a progressive Democratic donor, I couldn't be up here. Senator, your net worth is 100 times mine. Now, supposing that you went home feeling the holiday spirit, I know this isn't likely, but stay with me, and decided to go on to PeteForAmerica.com and give the maximum allowable by law, 2800 Yo, so, sorry, I wanted to give you the full context there. I got to say, I think, uh, I think Mayor Pete uh, threw some of that cave wine in uh, Warren's face there. I think he, he decided to go for it. Oh, he destroyed her. And, and that's the thing. Elizabeth Warren wants to play the socialist class warfare game. Until Mike Bloomberg got in the race, Elizabeth Warren was the richest candidate in the field. I think she's worth like $3.8 million, which, again, I, I don't begrudge anybody their wealth, but she has gone all in. On oh, yeah, I think she's game. worth like 6 all. to $12 million. Well, oh, oh, gosh. It's even yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. But it, see, this is the problem with Democrats, and I don't understand what they're doing during the debates. Why is Elizabeth Warren going after Mayor, uh, going after Mayor Pete? Mayor Pete is polling at 5% or under everywhere, and she's currently falling, too. Either you're going after Biden or you have no purpose on the debate stage up there. What are they doing? One thing that that evolves, I think, as we go through this process of watching the Democratic primary is is best and best option, worst option for you on that stage. If if one of them, if you could just take one of them out of the running, meaning like it's just too scary for America. Forget about who would win against Trump. Put that aside. If a Democrat is going to win the election, but you could like, uh, you know, veto one from that stage, who would it be? Pete, Mayor Pete. Wow. Mayor Pete. that's, I'm, I'm actually surprised time. about that. I mean, for me, it's, yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's actually, it's actually Bernie. I mean, I think he's actually scary to me. I mean, this guy honeymoon in the Soviet Union and nothing has changed. Well, they're all frightening. They're all commies. And you're, I'm not going to say you're wrong about Bernie, but I've seen a couple little flashes of it from Mayor Pete, and I don't know where this comes from. I don't, I'm not educated enough about what his background is, but he has had a couple little flashes of just seeming like somebody with a real hate on, at least for Christians in the United States of America. And I'll tell you what, the last president we had like that was Obama, and he did some serious damage. He he just always felt like behind those soaring speeches and whatnot, he had a real hate on for a lot of people in this country, and he did some damage. Have to pick one you had to vote for. I mean, I'm... Your your life hangs in the balance. You have to actually cast a vote for Democrat on that stage. Who is it going to be? Oh, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, she's no, was, so was she on the stage? No, but she wasn't on the stage last night. I, I would agree with you on that, but she wasn't there. So you got Yang, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, oh, yeah. Sanders, Warren, Biden. You know what? I'm actually I was going to say Yang, but I'm actually going to go with Klobuchar because she seems like such a genuinely hostile human being. And that story about her throwing binders at her staff and making staffers shave their legs at work and stuff like that. I think we get some hilarious stories out of the Wait, White shave, House. Shave, shave her legs. Right? <laughs> shave her legs. So I think we get some great stories out of the White House of her ripping off paintings off the wall and stuff like that. It'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, a fair point. We're going we're gonna to ask Jesse Kelly a little bit about some Christmas cheer in a second here. 
you're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, we're talking to my man Jesse Kelly, host of the Jesse Kelly Show down on KPRC Houston, 6 to 9. You can also, of course, and should subscribe to the Jesse Kelly Show and watch him here on Pluto TV Channel 248, the first. Jesse, we only got a couple minutes, but I want to ask, so what, what is the, the, the Christmas wisdom as, as a, a married father of, of two? Uh, what are some of the Christmas traditions? What are some of the do's and don'ts? Bring us into the Kelly household a little bit for uh, the Christmas season. Now, this year is an exception because I actually am traveling this year. But for all you young parents out there, you're going to be torn on Christmas Day. And you're going to want to go to his parents' house and then her parents' house. Or maybe you'll go this year or that year. You alternate years. Rip that Band-Aid off. Rip it off very early when the kids are four, five, six years old. Tell all the in-laws they can come to you. Start your own family traditions. Otherwise, Christmas sucks for you, and that's not the way life's supposed to be. You're not supposed to have kids and like good planes and travel and all these other things. You wake up on Christmas morning with a cup of coffee, read a little Bible story to your little ones, watch them open some presents, and enjoy your day. It's Christmas. What are you thinking about this movie, 1917, the all-one-shot World War One movie that's coming out on Christmas Day? Over the holiday, you going to check it out? I am the biggest World War One freak in the history of mankind. I read everything I can read on it. I consume every podcast I can on it. I have never been this excited for a movie in my life. World War One is the most underrated conflict. People do not realize how fascinating that is. That, that. Oh, yeah. And also just the, the concentration of carnage during some of those battles. Would, I mean, hu- oh. humanity does not have, would not have the stomach to handle a week of that anymore. I mean, it's a, it's a completely... No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. The, the, I have said long ago, you can do the, the, the wars with swords and spears or nuclear war, whatever you want to say. If you had to pick one conflict in the history of mankind I would not want to fight in, it would be World War One. I. I mean, we had guys in Flanders drowning in the mud over a period of two or three days because they couldn't be pulled out. People yeah. getting gassed to death. I mean, that the, the war is uh, oh, ugly. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I agree with you. So you know what, Jesse? Actually, I think this is a good thing for us to set up in the new year. I'm going to see the 19 because I, I actually like to learn about the First World War too. Uh, we should do a, a sit down and chat maybe over uh, one of our podcasts after we've both seen 1917 and do a sort of just a, a hot wash of the whole thing. Hundred percent. Let's do it. Fantastic, Jesse Kelly, everybody, the man himself. If you have not already, please subscribe to the Jesse Kelly Show. Uh, also, check him out on channel two forty eight Pluto TV's The First. Just download the Pluto TV app. You should be watching the Buck Saxon Show, the Jesse Kelly Show, and the Mike Slater Show, and the Oh Jesse, we can't tell him the other shows yet, can we? Can't tell him yet. We're not yet, but they're gonna be good. They're gonna be excited. <laughs> Jesse, you and your family have a very blessed and joyful Christmas, and we will talk to you soon, my man. See you, my man. See, that's the 1917, man. It's Producer Mark, you might have to see it, too. And by the way, you also have to find the date that you want me to take you. I'm going to take you and Producer Brandon out to, uh, to a, a uh, hockey, hockey game. game. Yeah. Whatever the cheaper team is, we'll go see that the one. The Islanders. Yeah. Oh, the Islanders? Yeah. We'll take you to an Islanders game. I mean, come on. Maybe I'll get you guys jerseys. I don't want an Islanders jersey. Come on. <laughs> no, we only go to the game if I get a photo of both of you in Islanders jerseys. I'm not wearing an Islanders jersey. <laughs> see, they no make it hard for me happening. now. All of a sudden, I can't even, we can't even get this done. All right, we'll see. We'll uh, see. I don't know. No. Let's think it's... Might get a hot dog thrown in there, too. You, you don't want any food at the Nassau Coliseum. Oh, it is I'm learning, bad. I'm learning so much today. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
We've been hearing from people all over the country in the last, since last night and this morning. Seems like people have a spring in their steps because the president was held accountable for his reckless behavior. No one is above the law, and the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. No one is above the law, and the president has been held accountable. It really is interesting to see the response that we are getting, bipartisan, across party lines. I myself want to say I have a spring in my step because of the moral courage of our caucus. A spring in her step, she says, because the president has been held accountable. But has he really? <laughs> I think this is a fun, a fun part to dig into for a moment here. Um, how exactly is the president still the president? Nothing has changed. Democrats all just cast a vote to say that they hate the president. I mean, they can call it whatever they want. But when no one except for Democrats in the House of Representatives vote against the sitting president who is a Republican, guess what? It's just a it's just a a partisan swipe. Nobody really cares. Doesn't matter. It doesn't make a dent. Doesn't make a difference. But it's also not even clear that he has been impeached yet because Pelosi is playing games. And we will see, by the way, I'm going to hold my man Jesse Kelly to that stake because we shall see. I mean, if she ends up withholding this the whole time, that would be that would be stunning, fascinating and I think crazy all at the same time. But you never know with with Pelosi. She says they've got a spring in their step. Pelosi and Schumer are both engaged in all kinds of uh, efforts to make this seem like whatever they want to make it seem like. Here's Senator Mitch McConnell, who is pointing out that she can do all the spinning that she wants. She can do all of the narrative creation and reforming. And But there's a, a fundamental problem here is that she's just negating much of what she was saying for the last few weeks. Play 12. Speaker Pelosi said this, impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there is something so compelling and overwhelming and bipartisan, I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country. End quote. (coughs) By the speaker's own standards, the standards she set, she's failed the country. Does anyone really think that this is bipartisan? That is the standard the Democrats had set up in the past. Does anyone really believe? Does anyone really think that what's going on here is anything other than a one party lashing out against the president of the United States? I would love to see that person out there making the case publicly that this is bipartisan, that this is not just Democrats acting as one against the duly elected president of the United States, Donald John Trump. Interesting, you never really hear people say the John part in the middle. Uh, they, recently someone said it, and I was like, oh, wow. Is, wait, why are you looking at me like, why are you looking like I'm crazy? It's always Donald gonna, J. Trump. I'm going to admit something. What? Had no idea what the J stood for. Really? I had no clue until you I, just You know what, man? I'm going to say this. I bet a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people think that. I, I mean, or we're in that situation, yeah. Because why because would it's I know Donald that? J. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's like, hey- I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lay my cards on the table right now. Producer Mark Michael J. Fox, great actor from the 80s. No, I don't know what that J stands for. No could clue. be John, could be James, could be Jebediah. Yeah, I got no idea. I just know he's Michael J. Fox. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so the people know Donald John Trump. Uh, usually I feel like you would have the, the, the shorter name as the first name. That just feels like it makes more sense to me. Doesn't but. John Donald Trump seem weird, though? John well, Donald Trump. Yeah. 
don't know. Yeah, we, he's now that we know him as Donald. Now, yeah, yeah, now he's the Donald, of course. But yeah, he's uh, that. That is in fact his name. Remember when it was when Barack Hussein Obama was president? If you said his full name, people had a problem with that. Sometimes they'd be like, Wait, why, "Why are you doing that? Why? Why are you saying his full name? Why? Why you got to do that?" And I was like, uh, "It's his name, Barack Hussein Obama. That was his name." And they can act like you're not supposed to say it as much as they want. But the fact of the matter is that you're just saying the guy's name. So, and look, I'm not one to make fun of names. I get my name. I get made fun of all the time for it. I always think it's so funny, though, because people love to do the whole sexton. Oh, sexy. Well, I will tell you a fun story. I was at a holiday party last night uh, for some uh, young Republicans. And it was a young Republican club. I'm at a holiday party and someone came up to me, a nice, a nice young lady. And she said, I got to tell you something. I said, what? She said, well, my grandma loves your radio show and your and loves you on TV. And I said, oh, wow, that's so nice. You know, I was and I, I legitimately do appreciate that because I'm in New York. I'm surrounded by commies and enemies. And so whenever someone comes up to me and has something nice to say, it, it like makes my day, it makes me feel appreciated. And it really is nice. I, I do like it. So by the way, any, anytime anyone from Team Buck, you see me anywhere, don't ever be shy. Like, come up, say hi. I'm always happy to talk to you. Always happy to speak with a member. That, I don't really mean that, a uh, member of the team. And I know right away because the people that know me from radio, they know that they kind of already know me. So they can just come up and talk to me. People that maybe saw me sometime on TV, they kind of like look at me a little weird. And they're like, wait a second. He's got a beard now. Is it the same guy? Uh, but the uh, anyway, the nice young lady last night. And I think she's like five years younger than me. I'm calling her a young lady. I'm like, oh, the young lady last night that I saw. But the nice young lady called me. She said her grandma really liked me. And, and she said, my grandma has a, uh, a nickname for you. And you know what the nickname is, Producer Brandon? Extra points, you can guess this one. I really hope you did that by accident. What? You just called me Producer Brandon. Oh, my God. It's so late in the season. I'm sorry. I did do that by I'm accident. I'm like the double the size of Producer he's, Brandon, he does not, Him and Producer Brandon are not. Nothing alike. Not, he's got not tattoos. Like, like, but I mean, for a whole two weeks, because you, you left me behind in the trenches taking grenades here in the Freedom Hut. You know, I, I had to say Brandon a lot every day. You know, now I've had to set the engines back to neutral, recuperate. You act like I made you do the show outside in the middle of winter. Might, when as, I was might gone. as well have. All right, the 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 producer Mark security blanket was yoinked off, yanked yeah. off. The anyway, uh, but what I was going to say nickname. the nickname. What do you think? Uh, butt sex, buck sexy. Okay, buck sexy. That's what grandma. That's what grandma Ethel in the Midwest calls me to her granddaughter, who oh. came up to me and explained that they call me buck sexy. I got to tell, you, I was like, hey. Oh. I was like, uh, Grandma Ethel. I mean, is you know, is Grandpa Ethel still in the game, or are they still married? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I kid. I, I kid. My gosh, that is <laughs> not ju- where I expected you to go ju- with that. I'm kidding. It's huh. Christmas time. I'm kidding. I would like to point out, though, I just teased your birthday uh, podcast with did my guests. Really? I did. Oh, well done. Yeah. yeah. So listen to that next week. I will have hmm. to. Che- I will have to check that out for sure. So anyway, Buck Sexy uh, was my. Uh, was my I've also I've had other people say it was Buck Sexington, and then uh, what was one of the other ones? Uh, I saw oh, there was a really fun one for one of my one of my listeners. He used to listen all that. I haven't heard from him in a while, um, which I don't know why that is. But uh, he he said his wife English wasn't her first language. She had a hilarious a hilarious nickname for me that was just my name, but it was the wrong version of my name. Anyway, Sexton for those who don't know, a Sexton even though it sounds like ooh is actually the person who takes care of a church. 
It's the person who collects. It's the lay person who works in a church who collects alms, uh, who collects offerings, uh, and also uh, is often the grave digger. So perhaps uh, Sexton, you know, or Buck Buck grave digger is uh, another way of thinking about it. So it's the guy who digs the grave. And then there was that thing, I don't know if that's true or not, where they used to say that they would have a little bell that they would tie to the toe of a person so that if they, do you know what I'm talking about? When they used to put people in the grave in the medieval times, they were scared they're going to bury somebody alive. Am I? Yeah, they put a little bell on them. Right? Or, that's a thing. Or maybe like a tube down there. Yeah. So prayer, I like the sextant yeah. would have been the guy that if the bell rang, you got to run out there and obviously dig that person out from the grave. That'd How be- terrifying of an experience. Would that have to be? I mean, that would be that would be rough stuff. Yeah, I did see a, an a, an advertisement for a show that I want to. It's got the I don't know how else to say the super handsome Superman guy. You know what I'm talking about? I don't remember his name. The most I recent mean, one. The most recent Superman. Yeah, most recent Superman terrible. guy. I don't remember. Uh, his he's name. in some show, The Witcher. It's called The hmm. Witcher, I believe. Anyway, there's so many shows. I mean, there's two. The, the problem is there's so many shows I can't even keep up with all the shows yeah. these days. There's so many I want to watch, but I know I'm never going to get to them. Yeah, I know. I actually have a list now, and I have gotten through like none of them because I'm trying to do this show. But I'm then writing there's the, book. the shows you want to watch again because they were so good. You just want. Well, to the watch problem them. is I end up just wanting to like turn my brain off, and I throw The Office on all the time. Yeah, I'll so throw that. The Office on. Scrubs is a big one for me. Seinfeld. Scrubs. Is Scrubs really of Scrubs that, is amazing. Of that caliber. Oh, it's so good. Interesting. It's very underrated by most people, but it's one of it's. People have said it's the best medical show ever. Really? It's most realistic, and it's hilarious. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I was I, I was unaware of that. Oh, we were talking about impeachment and Pelosi and stuff. Let's get back to that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. They said impeachment was so urgent that it could not even wait for due process, but now they're content to sit on their hands. This is really comical. Democrats' own actions concede that their allegations are unproven. Anyone want to try to argue that point against Cocaine Mitch? He knows what's up. He understands what's going on here. I mean, the good thing is, you know, Mitch McConnell, I know he's establishment, and people have even called him a rhino. Let's, let's give credit where it's due. Mitch McConnell held the line on Merrick Garland, and he was, it was a, a brilliant parliamentary maneuver. He was absolutely right. It was a gamble. It paid off. Trump won. That's a big deal, and Democrats are still seething about it, which makes it even more amazing. Mitch McConnell is is a mean, lean, judicial, conservative judicial confirmation machine, which will remake the judiciary for decades to come. Mitch McConnell's doing a fantastic job in that regard. I mean, is he good on immigration? Not really. Are there some other issues where Mitch and I would, you know, have an issue? Sure. But overall, Mitch McConnell is a very adept and powerful Senate majority leader and has done a lot of good things. You will not be. I'm gonna say this now, and this I know this doesn't excite the the conservative base, and people like to call Mitch McConnell a rhino and all that stuff. And I'm not negating any of the places where I think he's come up short or he hasn't. Uh, you know, he's obviously, but he's he's made amends. Trump and McConnell have a working relationship. I don't think that's. Um, but if when you look at the record, the judicial confirmation record, while Mitch McConnell has been Senate Majority Leader. Um, it'll probably be the single best period for those who believe in the Constitution and a judiciary that really does uphold and defend the Constitution. It'll be the best period perhaps ever. I mean, certainly in modern times for judicial confirmation, Mitch McConnell, Senate majority. And that's nothing. You can't take that away from him. And also, by the way, you can't take away from people that supported Trump largely because they understood how important judges were, not just for this presidential term and and the possible next term of Trump, which I think is looking very likely, 
but also for decades to come because these are lifetime appointments. It's a lifetime appointment on the federal bench, the appeals court, and the Supreme Court. They need to stay around for as long as they want until they decide to retire or until, you know, they, uh, it's time to go. Um, so I do think that that's, that's noteworthy here in this whole process. Uh, you are going to have to hear a lot of um, Chuck Schumer just saying things that he knows to be untrue. But again, he assumes that much of the left wing base is full of idiots. So that's not going to change anything. Play clip seven, if you would, producer Mark. If the Republicans proceed with the majority leader's scheme to sweep these charges under the rug and permit the president to ignore Congress, they will be creating a new precedent that will long be remembered as one of the Senate's darkest chapters. The majority leader's scheme to sweep these charges under the rug. What is the scheme exactly? He doesn't even know. They haven't even agreed. They haven't even set anything up yet. But this is what the Democrats do when they're concerned that a process will not give the outcome that they want. They, in advance, undermine that process to hedge their bets because they'll say, oh, all along we told you that the fix was in here. All along we told you that this is the way they're already doing this, by the way, with the 2020 election and, you know, Russia interference, Ukraine interference, all this stuff. They're already trying to say that the next election is probably already, uh, you know, already under assault by outside forces. So if they lose the childishness of the Democratic Party will come out once again, you'll see it and they'll just say, we don't we don't accept the result. Uh, we think that this was um, this was the way. This is what happened because of all, all of the cheating. Um, Senator Lindsey Graham had an interesting point here about Jim Clyburn and what was said to him. I want to share this. You know, Lindsey Graham has been pretty good on this issue in particular. I like Lindsey Graham. Uh, when, he, when Lindsey Graham's in fight mode, I like it. Here's what he said on uh, clip 10, if you would, producer Mark. Not to be confused. Jim with Clyburn, a very good friend, a good man, just said moments ago, if it were up to him, they would never send the articles of impeachment to the Senate. That tells me that they're embarrassed by what they did, that the product that they generated in the House is not worthy of coming to the Senate. We know how this ends in the Senate. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, well, we'll definitely see, but maybe I'm, uh, I'm off of this. If they don't, I just don't see how they can avoid sending the impeachment to the Senate and then pretend that they've really impeached the president. That's that's absurd, right? Could you imagine if the Republicans had tried this after they impeached Clinton and then said, oh, we're not, you know, we're, because we don't have the votes, we're not going to go through the rest of the process. Um, because it is all about the optics. It is all about the, the perception of this. It really has nothing to do with what is constitutional, what is fair. That's that's not what's motivating the people involved in any of this. Senator Lindsey Graham has pointed out that they want Mitch McConnell to do things based on their whim in the House. That's not how this works. They don't they don't get to hold the process hostage until they can predetermine what the outcome of the process will be. But that seems to be the Democrat claim here. Play a clip nine, producer Mark, please. He's puzzled, and, and, and I, I've tried the best I could to explain it, and I'm a bit puzzled, too. I don't know who came up with the idea. Let's hold the articles back until Mitch McConnell 
does things that we like in terms of the trial. Let's hold the articles back maybe forever. That's that's just that's constitutional extortion. That, That just cannot stand. You know, at what point is this just Democrats doing what they've done in other places where to prevent legislative business, they'll do a a sit in in the Capitol? You know, they'll shut the building down. At what point is this just obstruction of the process? Oh, Democrats love to talk about obstruction. But aren't they now obstructing constitutional duties that the Senate has to now follow through? If they're if do we even have a ruling on whether this is an impeachment or not? It seems like it's. An open question. And it's only an open question because everybody would have assumed that once you hold the, hold the vote, of course, then you pass it to the Senate. There's not this delay procedure here, but it then just goes to how the whole thing has been a scam and a sham all along. Nancy Pelosi knows that these are incredibly weak articles of impeachment, that no Trump supporter is going to look at this and say, oh, wow, I guess now, finally, after all the stuff they've said about the president, I'm going to back away from this. I want nothing to do with this. No no one's going to take that approach. So what really is the purpose here? What is she trying to accomplish? The stain of impeachment on the Trump presidency, and which I think is greatly overstated. I don't think people really care. I mean, I'd put this to you. What do you do? You think that Bill Clinton might have won a third term if he had run? It'd be an interesting question to look at now. Uh, If he had run against uh, George W. Bush, I mean, who knows? Uh, Certainly, Bill Clinton is a more compelling persona than Al Gore. Bill Clinton's obviously got a whole bunch of massive skeletons in his closet. The media was covering up for him for a long time on, but we will have to find out, I suppose. But just when you thought that this was finally going to return to some realm of normalcy, the Senate would be able to look at this. They would vote and then we'd be able to we'd be able to stop talking about this whole impeachment proceeding, this impeachment process. It looks like Democrats have found a way to make this even crazier because Trump has made them lose their minds. That much is for sure. Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, team, I just wanted to note that I think it was yesterday I was musing out loud to you, as I tend to do here on the show, that if the election were held today, because it was yesterday, that I'm entirely confident that Trump would win, which is pretty remarkable considering that he just got impeached. Or did he get impeached? Probably, sort of. We're still figuring this out. They voted to impeach him in the House, that's for sure. And you've had the Democrats making their case in all these different debates and getting all the media coverage they do for months and months without one person taking the full brunt of Trump's criticisms. And here we are now looking at the latest polling from CNN. And I would just note that, you know, I know some pollsters and some some polls are a little bit skewed, but Fox polls aren't polls of people who watch Fox News and CNN polls aren't polls of people who watch CNN. I mean, at least they're not supposed to be. So I always think that's funny when people they hear an MSNBC, NBC News poll and they assume it's like, well, are we asking all the libs? It's like, no, it's it's supposed to be more than that. Um, Trump, this is head to head in battleground states. Trump and it was all eight states that were determined by less than. 6% of the vote last time. So essentially the eight states that will matter, according to last election for the upcoming election. And here's what they found. Trump, 
49, Bernie, 45. Trump, 47, Biden, 47. Trump, 48, Warren, 46. Trump, 48, Buttigieg, 43. He beats everybody uh, except for Biden, whom he's tied with. And remember that this is before Trump has been able to really weigh in and go after Biden, debate him, make the case against Biden specifically. And what you see is that Biden is effectively just taking the Hillary machinery from 2016 goes right behind Biden. Um, and Biden, though, the, the to be fair, he may have a bit of an advantage over Hillary in that he is less scandal plagued than she is. That doesn't mean he's not scandal plagued. It just means he is less scandal plagued than she is at this point. Although that could change. And also, uh, he is associated with Obama because he was his vice president for eight years. And so the African-American community seems to be more thoroughly and more uh, more energized in its support of Biden than it would have been uh, than it is rather in its support for um, other other candidates, including perhaps Hillary, including Hillary Clinton. So but that's how it breaks down right now. So they're impeaching a president who would probably be president again tomorrow if the election overwhelming favorite if the election were held tomorrow to be president again. So whenever they talk about how they they need to, you know, do the bidding of the American people here. And this is all about what's constitutional. And this is about what the people want. No, it is not. This whole impeachment sham and all the stuff they're doing against President Trump. This is about what the left wing base, the media, the federal bureaucracy, the academy, college campuses and universities, Hollywood. It's what they want. And you know who even has some understanding of this? I, I give him some credit. I, I, I because I always want to be I, I, I have to be honest with all of you. I couldn't do a show that wasn't rooted in honesty day in and day out. Um, it would feel too much like a multiple personality disorder. Uh so I try to give credit where it's due, even among Democrats. You know, Andrew Yang has some very bad ideas. Um, universal basic income is never what they say it will be, because what happens is once you give people universal basic income, then what ha- well, What do you think comes after that? Oh, it needs to be more. It needs to be more. You need to raise taxes. It needs to be more. It's just another me- mechanism for the redistribution of wealth. The only benefit is that there's not as much of a bureaucracy to administer it. But trust me, they could find a way. The federal government could find a way to have a lot of people who are in charge of take of taking the money that has been taken from you, taxpayer, and given to other people. In this case, given to everybody, which is an interesting addition to the plan here. Everybody's going to be getting a thousand dollars a month. Um, it wouldn't be means tested. I mean, this just seems so very strange in that regard. But the the number will never be. You'll always have 51% of the population that's saying, well, the universal basic income should be higher. Give me more money. Give me more money. And there, I don't think Andrew Yang really has an answer for, for that. Uh, that's one of the many criticisms of UBI. But he does understand that the left-wing base has radicalized, has gone pretty, uh, pretty crazy. And the media in particular has become a dishonest, a dishonest organism. Um, and here's what he says about the lies or the... The misdirections of the media. He said this last night in the debate. Play 19, please. It's clear why Americans can't agree on impeachment. We're getting our news from different sources, and it's making it hard for us even to agree on basic facts. Mm -hmm. Congressional approval rating last I checked was something like 17 percent. 
and Americans don't trust the media networks to tell them the truth. The media networks didn't do us any favors by missing the reason why Donald Trump became our president in the first place. If you turn on cable network news today, you would think he's our president because of some combination of Russia, racism, Facebook, Hillary Clinton, and emails all mixed together. But Americans around the country know different. We blasted away four million manufacturing jobs that were primarily based in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Missouri. I just left Iowa. We blasted 40,000 manufacturing jobs there. The more we act like Donald Trump is the cause of all of our problems, the more Americans lose trust that we can actually see what's going on in our communities and solve those problems. What we have to do is we have to stop being obsessed over impeachment, which unfortunately strikes many Americans like a ball game where you know what the score is going to be, and start actually digging in and solving the problems that got Donald Trump elected in the first place. We have to take every opportunity to present a new positive vision for the country, a new way forward to help beat him in 2020, because make no mistake, he'll be there at the ballot box for us to defeat. There's some truth in what Yang is saying. He's certainly going to be there at the ballot box. Trump is going to be very much running in the, in the, in the fall. That's the, despite what Democrats have been praying for, not praying, but... You know, whatever they do, hoping for, uh, despite just kidding. I know there are Democrats who are, you know, pray to. Sure. Who do they pray to? I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but the Democrats have convinced themselves that at least the Democrat establishment has convinced itself that this impeachment mess is somehow going to change minds, is going to be a, a really useful tool. I think the backlash against this is going to be far far more powerful than the benefit the Democrats have gotten from ramming this whole thing through. Um, Also, just another note, people love to talk about the loss of manufacturing jobs and how we need more manufacturing jobs all the time. It depends. A large part of the loss of manufacturing jobs comes from, there's offshoring to be sure, uh, but there's also automation. There's increased efficiency. You don't need, I mean, just think of this in very basic terms. You don't need a hundred people all standing alongside an assembly line now and doing one little thing. You might have one or two people who are overseeing mechanized processes on that assembly line. Um, And yes, perhaps they're paid well, but there aren't quite as many jobs. There's increased efficiency in this process. Also, we loved to be told we were always told about the the glory days of unions and manufacturing jobs, but technology has been changing the nature of those jobs in a lot of cases. And honestly, I don't think that all human beings look, some people depends on what we mean by manufacturing job, but any process that can be automated by machines in manufacturing is something that you'd have to ask the question, how great of a job would this really be for a person to do? I think it's overstated how much everybody wants to be on an assembly line plant. There are other jobs that people would like. People like to work virtually. They like to work remotely. They like to be in, engaging with other human beings. I mean, there's a lot out there. You know, the, you know, there's, there's a lot of people think, oh, the service industry, I don't want to be. I mean, the service industry is sales and the service industry is anything that's interacting with human beings and selling them on something. Um, but I, I just think there's this uh, glorifying of manufacturing jobs. Not that manufacturing jobs are great. I mean, you know, if you like it, you like it. Right. But we shouldn't be thinking that what we really need is bring back 10 million manufacturing jobs to America. Well, if they're if they've been offshored, 
it's because they're not skilled labor positions, right? And if they're offshore and you actually have a leveling of the tariffs and some of the other trade barriers that are in place, well, then you say to yourself, how much are the people really going to get paid to do these things? Right? Is that I mean, with China, they're cheating. But in other countries, do we really, we really think we're going to have a massive tech, a massive textile industry in this country again that displaces the textile industry in a lot of developing countries where people are just going to be paid less? I mean, there's some economic realities we have to deal with here. Anyway, I didn't mean to get too, too off the track on this one, um, but I like that he's hitting at the media. My other media thing for today, media story, is uh, my old friend Charles Cook who has the most fantastic British accent you've ever heard in your life. Because it's very, it's somewhat laid back, but also so fancy at the same time. It's not quite like my friend Raheem, who's got a little more like, he's from London, you know, Raheem's got a little more, Charles Cook is a little more in here. It's like he's reading you a bedtime story. It's like, oh, and then, and then Peter and Wendy went to Never Never Land. And there was a magic dog and a dragon. And, you know, he's kind of like Charles Cook could be a Harry Potter character, you know. Whereas uh, Raheem is like the guy you want next to you in the football stadium. He's like, oi, you want to headbutt me? Uh, they're a little, they have a little bit of a different, a little bit of different rivalry. Raheem's accent's actually pretty fancy, too. He's, he doesn't really have a Cockney accent or anything. But uh, Charles has written a great piece. And it's uh, CNN is not a news network. And I, this is for the National Review magazine. And I really enjoyed this. But let me give you a little bit of what Charles writes here, just because I, I love this one. And it, but he makes the core argument he makes is, is what I've been telling you or part of the argument he makes is what I've been telling you for a long time. Because people ask, how could you have worked there? If you if you think CNN's so terrible, why would you go there? And, I, and what I say to them is CNN has changed. People forget MSNBC originally was a if not a conservative network, a home for a lot of conservatives. The only network, this is kind of a fun fact, where Ann Coulter, who is fantastic, uh, the only network where Ann Coulter is a, um, was ever a paid contributor was MSNBC, in fact. And, you know, MSNBC, it's changed. These places can change over time. CNN used to be the closest thing you could point to to a and a, a neutral cable news network. Now that doesn't mean it was neutral ever. It was always center left. It's always skewed liberal. No question about that. But it has gone from the network of you know Schumer and Pelosi, if you will, which liberal, to the network of AOC and Rashida Tlaib and you know Bernie Sanders. I mean, it's just way left in its politics. Now it's still establishment, so they were Hillary over Bernie. Don't get me wrong on that, but I mean, in terms of how far, how hard left CNN has become, it has changed. It has changed in recent years. Here's what Charles writes: When Think Progress announced that it was going out of business, a few observers wondered aloud, "Why didn't anybody buy it?" But why would they when we have CNN? He writes, as a child, I was aware of CNN in part because of its introductory bumper featured the sinister voice of Darth Vader. He means uh, James Earl Jones. And in part because it was both the prototype and the stereotype of the 24 hour news channel. When things would happen, you'd say, turn on CNN. CNN was careful and self-consciously nonpartisan. At least it was keen for its viewers to believe it was. Um, in short, it was what it says it was a news network. It is no longer that. These days, CNN is a peculiar and unlovely hybrid of progressive propaganda outlet, 
oleaginous media apologist, sexless cultural scold, and frenzied Donald Trump stalker blog. When news breaks, it is no longer useful or appropriate to tell someone turn on CNN, because if he did, he would be as likely to be presented with a wall of advocacy and obsession as with the headlines of the hour. Today, CNN does not broadcast the news. It broadcasts what it wants you to think the news is. Wow. There you have it. There you have it. Troubling stuff, my friends, but the reality of what CNN has become. It is no longer a news network. It is no it is not about uh, advocacy. I mean, sorry, it's not about honesty. It is about advocacy. And I think it's long since time people recognize that. I think it's long since time people understand exactly what is going on here. Um, we should have honesty in media. Now, I will say I disagree with Charles on one point, and this is an important one. He says CNN has become Fox. That is unfair. I think Charles is wrong on that point. And let me say why. The Fox News lineup, that is the one that bothers the libs so much. Um, the evening lineup of hosts, all of those hosts are opinion hosts, the primetime hosts of uh, Tucker, Sean, Laura. They are pr they are opinion hosts. And a lot of other shows are also opinion hosts. Right. I mean, the five is an opinion show. There's honesty in the presentation of that. You can agree or disagree. CNN lives a lie every day. They do not think Anderson Cooper. They do not think Jake Tapper. They do not think Don Lemon are opinion shows. They will not say they are opinion shows. This is a fundamental dishonesty. And it, it's preposterous that they still cling to this. So I disagree with Charles on that. It is not fair to say that CNN has become Fox because CNN lies. MSNBC and Fox are similar in that they're both known to be leaning certain directions with their opinion. That's why I say MSNBC, I have less. You notice I criticize it less as a as a foundational, fundamental issue of their fairness or lack thereof. I just think they're crazy and wrong about everything. But CNN is crazy and wrong and lies about what it is. That's different. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Man, we are getting into the last part of the last show of the second decade of the 21st century of the Buck Sexton Show. This is this is momentous stuff here. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping producer Mark doesn't get a little weepy. I don't know. <laughs> when was the last time producer Mark got weepy? You probably yeah, at my wedding. Oh, really? You a little bit. A, a bunch oh. of people said that they caught well, that's, me. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. I was going to, I mean, weddings except I was going to say you probably wedding, yeah. funeral, and if you uh, watch a movie where something bad happens to a beloved uh, pet, right? That's I, when it's okay to cry. No? I've never, I, I don't think I've ever cried at a You've movie. never seen Old Yeller? No. Man, that's something we got to remedy. What about at the end of Lady and the Tramp when you think Tramp is going to die after he kills the rat? Maybe it was a, I was a kid and I probably cried. That's that. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's acceptable. Sure. Real men cry when bad things happen to beloved canine companions. Yes. See? Maybe when a child is born. That's a, I, I wouldn't know about that. But that I wouldn't sounds, either, but yeah, I yeah. would imagine that's a At very emotional moment. Not that I'm aware of. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got a little breaking news story, actually, here late in the game, about a game, 
it might get everybody ready for the uh, the holiday season here. You will recall that there was, in fact, a uh, scandal, according to the media, over a bunch of West Point cadets at the Army-Navy game, a hallowed American Collegiate and Military Service Academy tradition. And there were people that were claiming some of the cadets were doing white power symbols. Oh, the white power symbols. Everyone has to get so scared. This is terrifying. Because the media has been telling people that there's a huge rise in white power, uh, white nationalism, all this stuff. The media has been telling everybody because Trump is president. That's what they have all been saying. By the way, how many of you have seen like big white nationalist rallies out in the town square? How many of you have seen an actual rise in white nationalism in any meaningful way anywhere in, anywhere in America? Just Have you seen this? Anywhere? I'm sure the Southern Poverty Law Center has crunched some numbers that are trying to claim that there's been a huge spike in, but they always say this, right? This is the Southern Poverty Law Center is a, is a left wing attack, a left wing group meant to attack conservatives. Now it doesn't actually really monitor hate; it manufactures the cons, manufactures the belief that there's a surge in hate, so they can get a lot of donations, and then they can attack conservatives on behalf of libs. I mean, that's really what they do. Um, but there hasn't been the surge in white nationalism, but people have been conditioned to think that that is what is going on in this country. It is very unfortunate. It's very troubling that we are told this, that this lie continues to get credibility from the media. But they said that these cadets were doing white power symbols. And a lot of people said, no, these aren't white power symbols. This is something called the circle game. Well, they did an actual West Point investigation of the hand gestures at the Army-Navy game. And it turns out the school says the cadets were playing the circle game, which is the equivalent of made you look. But news outlets ran with this as white power gestures because it would they would prefer, really, they would prefer the validation of their hysterical, non-evidence-based belief that the country is having a surge of white nationalism, a surge of you know, neo-Nazism and all this. The media wants people, they, they'd rather have evidence for that, even if it meant that we have members of our service academy who had adopted a, uh, a disgraceful and uh, an evil ideology. They'd, they'd, they'd prefer that circumstance. It's quite clear. They, they leap to believe this, even though there was a far more innocent and far more plausible explanation, which now, based on the, the true, uh, the, the in-depth investigation of this, the innocent explanation was the explanation, which is what I hope. Oh, here, here we are once again. How many times do I have to come on the show and say, guys, I'm sorry, I was really wrong on this one? Although, watch, I'm going to have to buy Jesse Kelly a steak because Pelosi's going to like hold back the articles of impeachment forever. But that would be it's all right. That'll give me an excuse to hang out with my man, Jesse Kelly. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's just why is it that why is it that I why is it that I knew the Cummington kids weren't the bad guys? How, how did I know that? You know, why is it that I knew the West Point guys here weren't doing white power symbols? How did I know that, you know, Jesse Smollett was lying? How do I know that Trump wasn't actually a Russian stooge and a, a traitor to his country and that Russia collusion was a the mainstream media gets this stuff wrong over and over and over again. I'm just a guy sitting here, producer Mark, doing our thing. How often do I have to come on? Have I ever had to come on this show? 
and say, wow, I missed this one by a mile. I mean, you know, like a little political prediction here or there, but who's going to win a race? But I'm talking about where judgment is involved, because nobody really knows who's going to win a given, you know, Senate race or you know, who knows. Um, but I'm talking about on these issues where you can look at it and you should understand right away which narrative is overwhelmingly likely to be right and over, which is overwhelmingly likely to be wrong. And the libs get it wrong over and over. And they've got thousands of reporters and all these people. They're just trying to they say they're just trying to present the facts all the time, but they can't help. The, the essential fact that they have certain narratives like a tape that keeps playing in their head and they look for affirmation. They look it's confirmation bias in reporting, really. But they look for affirmation of these narratives and whatever they put forward day in and day out. That's what they want. I look at these things like a person that tries to weigh facts, probabilities, history, motivation, all these different things and come up with. Yeah, I don't think that there were a couple of guys, for example, on the south side of Chicago carrying a noose around spraying whatever it was like uh, lighter fluid on somebody and yelling, you know, this is or chlor- it was bleach, not lighter fluid and yelling. This is MAGA country at three o'clock in the morning and just happened to like lightly bruise Jussie Smollett's face. By the way, they're thinking about bringing Jussie Smollett back on the show Empire. Give you a sense of the consequences that guy faces for that national sham. Uh, but how did I, I just I didn't believe that. I didn't believe it. Sure enough, you know, the Covington kids, I didn't believe it. You know, Brett Kavanaugh, I didn't believe it. Why? Right over and over and over again. Why? Well, because I approach this from the perspective. The advantage that conservatives have is we try to see the world as it is, and we try to apply facts, logic, and reason to our judgment. And we also embrace the humility of the, uh, of the fact that we are inherently as individuals flawed, our judgment can be flawed. We have biases. We try to counter those biases. Liberals believe, and this is and this is a major psychological separation. This is going to be true as we continue to do the show. Liberals believe in the infallibility of their belief system. They think, and it's really a, a political system in place of a religious belief for many of them, but they think that what they have been told is righteous and good and true is unassailable that it is true without any proof, without any understanding of the foundations of why it is true. And they have these narratives about social justice and about economic justice and about the need to, you know, to counter whether, you know, colonialism or a history of racism or, you know, the uh, the centrality of of abortion to women's freedom. And there there are these storylines, these narratives that they've been told that they cannot deviate from because it really does feel like it is taken much more as a religious belief. The the word made true through leftism. You know, that that is that is what they view or that that is how they approach their politics. I approach everything every day with could I be wrong? Might I might I have missed this one? Is there some and I I'm sure many of you feel exactly the same way. Is there a, is there this this gaping wealth inequality problem that is the result of uh, donations from high dollar donors and is the chamber of commerce really just the chamber of a chamber of you know cronyism within our capitalist system and you know I, I try to retest these assumptions and look at them and, and I always leave open the possibility that maybe I am wrong I mean I even said maybe with Jesse Kelly my man uh, talking about that we've got a stake riding on this one but is is Pelosi going to hold on to those impeachment articles forever I don't think so but I, I could be wrong and so I leave open that possibility liberals have unfortunately, and this is this has been the course of their belief system, I think really 
all along, but now we just we see it more clearly in certain ways than we did in the past uh, because they've been able to gain power, enough power to implement some of these things. Uh, liberals believe in an absolutism. There can be no moderation, deviation. There can be no finding a middle ground. It has to be their way or else something or else injustice, travesty has resulted from it. Uh, you see this with the way they approach LBGTQ issues, for example, with uh, J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling is now in trouble because she says that men are not women. There are people who will yell at you. There are people who will challenge you on the statement that men are not women. They have been brainwashed. This is as clear a test of brainwashing as you could find for anything. If I tell you that two plus two equals four and you yell at me because you have been told that is not true, you've been brainwashed. There's not really an argument to be had here. This is just a question of facts and reality. But they don't see it as such. You know, this is where you get the Menstrual Equality Act. Uh, we're going to have you now tampons and sanitary napkins put in men's bathrooms. I mean, all, all these are... And when you start to ask questions about this, they react with rage. They react with rage because they haven't been told the philosophical underpinnings of why this is true. They've just been told this is what the good smart people believe, the, the good liberals believe. And they're very emotionally intertwined with these beliefs about themselves, about the people around them. And they haven't had to because they usually live in, you know, a... a political monoculture. They live in a place that's an echo chamber for their beliefs. They've gone to schools that do that. They watch media that does that. They read papers if they read papers that do that. They've never had to wrestle with or challenge their own assumptions. And that's how you get to this place. And that's also why the news media is so pathetic when it comes to falling for hoax after hoax after hoax. Because they always, they sit there and they say, here's what I believe to be true. America is a racist society. America is a classist society. Um, you know, the white patriarchy is the root of most social evils in America. And so every news story that they see, for example, they pull and they put into that framework. That framework is unfortunately false. And so that's why they just keep getting these things wrong. Because they see it through the lens of somebody who believes that the, the biggest problem. No, we do face, you know, we face problems of addiction. We fa pray, face problems of people turning away from God. We face the breakdown of the family. We face major problems in society. The white patriarchy is not the root of all the social ills that we should be concerned about. But the left takes that as an article of faith. And so the moment that you try to get away from that, they cannot compute. It's like you've tried to override the whole system and the screen freezes and they freak out. The West Point kids were not engaged in white power signaling. They were engaged in the circle game. They were just having some fun. And the news media leapt to smear them, to slander them, to perhaps ruin their lives. Fortunately, in this instance, the truth came out soon enough and early enough that everything seems like it'll be okay. But they have. The media has learned nothing since Covington. They've learned nothing since the Duke lacrosse uh, rape hoax. They've learned nothing since the UVA fraternity rape hoax. They've learned nothing since the Kavanaugh uh, gang rapist hoax. They've learned nothing from any of this. And in fact, all they try to do is learn more effective and dishonest tactics of the propagandists so that they can get around facts that are inconvenient to the narrative more effectively next time. And this is why, unfortunately, we have only one choice, and that is to defeat them on the battlefield of ideas. Convert them if we can, but if we can't convert them, we have to defeat their ideas because their ideas are destructive and wrong.
There's a Christmas message for you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Transgender community has been marginalized in every way possible. And one thing that the president of the United States can do is lift up attention, lift up their voices, lift up their lives. Here's a promise I make. I will go to the Rose Garden once every year to read the names of transgender women, of people of color who have been killed in the past year. I will make sure that we read their names so that as a nation, we are forced to address the particular vulnerability on homelessness. I will change the rules now that put people in prison based on their birth sex identification rather than their current identification. I will do everything I can to make sure that we are in America that leaves no one behind. Here's what she said. I was really trying to follow this. This was from the debate last night. I just it felt like a good follow on what we were just talking about, about the the framework that liberals put everything into this country and the way they approach it. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren is a doctrinaire leftist. I mean, she she you know, the doctrine is strong with her on the left, you could say. She knows the lingo. She knows the approach. She knows the arguments. And I do think that she's a true believer. Keep in mind that liberals one of the benefits of being a leftist is that you get to embrace hypocrisy as part of the package. You can be a hypocrite as long as you are advocating for certain things that leftists want and you get a pass, which is why hypocrisy is really the Achilles heel of so much leftism, because they espouse ideas that they themselves would not adhere to. They they want policies that they don't want to be subject to. Uh, but she says here, here's a promise I will make. I will go to the Rose Garden once every year to read the names of transgender women of people of color who have been killed in the past year. What is that? What is that supposed to accomplish? The, the, read the names of people of color. Uh, who have been killed in the past year? Is it only and I, and I asked this, I don't know. Only transgender people of color or just people of color in general who have been killed and killed under what circumstances? Is she going to go read the names of everyone who is an innocent who is killed? Is it going to be just people that are killed in an exchange with law enforcement? I, I'd want to know what the what the specifics are here, because I also would want to know what does she hope to accomplish by doing this? One thing that you will constantly hear from the left is that there is a a uh, particularly high rate of uh, trans of people of color who are transgender in addition to their ethnicity uh, who are are killed and that this just shows that there's a national emergency around this and then you look at the numbers and by the way Andy No got in trouble for this for just sharing that it's actually a very small number of the overall population that when you look at it on a per capita basis just step back from this for a second uh, there is no surge or there is no greater threat of people who are uh, people of color who are transgender being killed than there are in the general American population. So you ask, well, what what are we? I mean, yes, it's terrible when any human being is murdered. It's a it's a, a horrible crime and always has been. But what's with the focus on this? Well, because when you add people of color and trans and people who are transgender, you have two protected groups, two victimized and marginalized groups and leftist 
leftist parlance. And to add those two things together, you have a a great uh, you you have effectively the perfect case of a kind of political martyrdom, right? Because if someone's transgender and they're a person of color, you add those two things together. The intersectional belief here is that there really is a hierarchy. It's almost like you get victim points for different places where you are on the scale. So if you're transgender and a person of color and something bad happens to you, that is a much more compelling case for action, regardless of the circumstances of what happened to the person, than if it just happened to a person who wasn't transgender and a person of color. Meanwhile, when you look at the uh, the statistics on this, it does not bear out at all that there is some surge in and attacking or hurting those people, killing people who fall into that category. But it's still a talking point you'll hear on the left. And it's largely because people like Elizabeth Warren, who live in fancy neighborhoods, are worth millions of dollars, and don't spend any time with people who are of color, transgender, and particularly in some cases of some of these murder cases that that get raised, they are are, uh, people who are working in the sex trade, who are people of color, who are transgender, and they also happen to be prostitutes who have suffered violence. Elizabeth Warren pretends to have a great affinity for and connection to these individuals. This is classic leftist virtue signaling. She's going to go and just read off the names she says, uh, to what end and for what purpose? To, to raise awareness about a spike in uh, hate crimes against these individuals that's not a spike? And then in some cases, is not even necessarily a hate crime. It's just a crime. Uh, but this is who you're dealing with with Elizabeth Warren. It's just she is in many ways the distillation of left-wing orthodoxy put forward for the American people to see uh, without all of the distractions, say, of, of Bernie Sanders' peculiarities. Um, That's one way I think we could describe it. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for Roll Call. It is indeed time for Roll Call. But I just want to say one thing I left out of the rest of the show. Um, There was this interview with Barr where he talked about Attorney General Barr. This is kind of a late, I guess it's like a mulligan for the show here. Attorney General Barr talked about the uh, scope of the investigation that Durham the the, uh, the U.S. Attorney for the State of Connecticut is engaged in. And it is wider in scope than just FISA. It is wider in scope than just the FBI. And they're going to be looking at John Brennan. Here's a, I like to make fun predictions. Or not fun predictions. I like to make predictions. Uh, you're, we're going to find out that John Brennan was, his fingerprints were all over this Russia collusion hoax. John Brennan, Obama appointee, close friend of Obama's, worked with Obama in the White House, and was Obama's go-to person on counterterrorism. They're going to, you're going to find out that John Brennan, this is my prediction, I can't prove this quite yet, but Brennan was deeply involved in the Russia collusion hoax from the earliest stages and worked with foreign governments to try to get this thing going. That's what you're going to find out. So remember how, how many times I had to come on the show and say I'm wrong? Sorry, I missed it. You heard it here, my friends. John Brennan, 
That's going to be a name that's going to get a lot more. It's been kind of focused on Comey for a while here because Comey was the implementor of the hoax at the FBI. But the originator of the hoax, I think you're going to see and you're going to see through the Durham, uh, the Durham investigation when it's over is John Brennan. And Clapper with kind of an assist, but Clapper was too dumb to come up with the stuff in the first place early on. All right, all right, roll call. I know, I know. I just want to throw that. And producer Mark, let's let's mark this one down because I want to know. You know, let's let's have this ready so that when the Durham thing comes out, we'll be like, here we were last show of the year, and this is what I said. I want this because this is a prediction. Uh, I feel very at least confident. this one's easy to remember. Right. Usually you say that, and I'm like, there's like 15 of these in every show. Right. I know. So. But- uh, this one I'll remember. There I we go. So let's just have this one. So we know when the Durham report comes out, yeah. last show of 2019, I said, this is what you're going to see. In well, the when's that going to come out? Three months. Okay. They say. Yeah, Three I'm months. sure we'll both remember that. Whatever. Somebody listening. The, the, the team that's remembers. That's true. The team, that's what the team is for. The team is for the team. For always remembers. They're like, actually, Buck, the North remembers. It's Game of Thrones reference. Man, Game of Thrones, what a what a sad finale, that whole thing. It was really just, I knew I, it was I never got into too. it. We never got, never into, got into Thrones, no. Uh, I think I'm the only American that didn't. I feel like I should change my Twitter name to Buck Sexy for a few days, just in, <laughs> in honor of Grandma <laughs> Ethel. You can't. You know? Oh, you, you lose your verification. Oh, really? If you change your handle, if you just change your name, you're fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I can't, I can't lose the blue check. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be scary. I don't know what I'd do with myself. All right. Last roll call of 2019. But before I get to it, one more, one more proviso, one more preface those of you who listen to the show on radio you will miss buck's spur uh, buck should learn to speak english you will miss buck's special birthday message on december 28th and it's a real thing i really we recorded even producer mark with that i recorded a little special mini show you, your you birthday is on the 28th but it'll be coming out the 27th thank you it'll come out the 27th of december we have a little special show that all of you are going to want to hear but you have to subscribe on on the iHeart app or the pod or, or uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I keep saying iTunes. Apple Podcasts is what the cool kids say. You have to subscribe to the Buck Sexton show. So that's that's the way, my friends. That's how you gotta you gotta get it done. So those of you and if you've never listened to a podcast before, I'm hoping that this Christmas season. What do I want for my birthday and for Christmas from the team? New podcast subscribers. That's all I want. Tell people about it. Pass the buck. Check. It's so easy. It'll be on your smartphone. You can listen anytime you want. Listen in the car. Listen while you're folding laundry. Listen while you're doing doing whatever you got to do. Putting some presents under the tree. All that good stuff. All right. Um, uh, We have Cindy. Right, Buck, don't listen to the person who said stop your impressions. You are so funny, and yours are far better than other beloved conservative talk show hosts who will go unnamed. You somehow capture the person's personality and character. Go, Buck. Well, thank you, Cindy, and I will I will agree with you. My my impersonations compared to like the top if you if you have like the top ten conservative radio hosts out there, very few of them can go toe to toe with me on the impersonations. Very, there's like one or two who might even be in the conversation. A lot of them are pretty great people. I love them. Pretty weak on the impersonations. Well, Buck, I do know a couple of conservative hosts that do great Muppet impersonations. Really? Yeah. Oh. I think I think producer I think producer Mark is being sassy. So let's see. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that one. Uh we have Aaron who writes Buck, I grew up in a small town in Orange County, New York. I had family and friends who worked in the city. 
my father's best friend was in the electrical union in the 80s, and he was just saying to my mother that Trump would come and talk to the workers all the time. He often found himself in the elevator with Trump. He said Trump was really nice. He always asked how he was doing and showed a genuine interest like that to all the workers. The thing that leftists don't get is that Trump isn't an elitist. He's not a phony. I believe Trump truly cares about this country. He didn't need to do this. I immediately didn't get around that uh, that the first time around, but I do now, and I cannot wait to vote for him in 2020. I can't wait to chant four more years, four more years. P.S., Producer Mark sounds just like my father's friend. I love his sarcastic sense of humor. It reminds me of home. Make sure you keep him around. Happy Hanukkah, Mark. Merry Christmas, Buck, and happy birthday. That's a really nice note, if that I may say fantastic. so. That was fantastic. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Or ma'am, I didn't get the name. Aaron with an E-R, so it's a lady. Lady, yeah. yes. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Aaron can go either way, but it's usually spelling-based. Yes. E-R-I-N is lady. It's usually a A-A-R-O-N is dude. Yeah, but it's Aaron or Aaron. You don't say it the same. Really? Yeah, I say Aaron. Aaron it's or Aaron? What Aaron. do you mean? Aaron. Aaron or you say Aaron? Aaron? Well, it's with For an a, a. Aaron. Yeah, but Aaron. Oh, I don't know. It's don't the know. A or the E sound. Aaron? I have to. I mean, okay. I don't go like that. I'm not pretentious, but uh, that that, that is really, that is true. I don't know anyone named Aaron though, like with the A. All right, mm. all right, cool, fair enough. Um, Buck. I'd really be, this is from David, I'd like to be interested to hear your thoughts on this uh, from the conservative treehouse. Uh, thanks for the work you put out there. I don't know what the conservative treehouse is, so I'll have to take a look at this. I, I do not know. John writes, part of me feels grateful to Obama. I think without him, the left wouldn't have been exposed. And I don't think we would have ever been able to elect Trump without having first elected Obama. What are your thoughts on this? Was Obama worth it to Trump? Hashtag Team Mark. Dude, people are just throwing in hashtag Team Mark sometimes now in a, in a little solidarity with our with our uh, producer over here. See, I'll say to everyone that's Team Brandon, you're outnumbered. <laughs> oh, if there, there was go. an election, I'd be Trump. Yeah, yeah, I'd this win. Were, if this were sharks and jets, we got to see. Oh, Nick writes the conservative treehouse was the kids show on the blaze. Nick, producer Nick, I didn't. Is yeah, that's right. No, that's no, it isn't, Nick. That's Liberty Treehouse. Don't bring just because we work together at the Blaze. Don't bring your uh, your weak sauce Blaze knowledge up in here. You know I remember. That's the Liberty Treehouse, not Conservative Treehouse. Got to call out producer. Happy, happy, uh, Merry Christmas to you and producer Nick. Uh, producer uh, Nick, by the way. Um, let's see. Mike writes, "Hey Buck, it's Mike from New Zealand. Sorry, I was a little mean about producer Mark in my previous message." Uh, Shields high. P.S. I love the Hans Gruber imitation you did a few months ago. The oh god, you're one of them scene where he pretended to be a hostage caught by John McCain and gets a cigarette from him. Hilarious. You're one of them. You're one of them. I remember that. Yeah, that was good. That was good times. It's like I can tell they're European by their clothing and their cigarettes. And see, Mike from New Zealand likes you, producer Mark. So he's just being a little salty. So now you've even got some people that are sweet, that are that are apologizing. That are apologizing. I'll welcome anyone to Team Producer Mark. There we anytime. go. You, the door is always open for it Team is. Producer Mark. It's I'm a, not as grumpy as everyone thinks. I'm very true. friendly. That's right. He is. He is friendly. Um. Uh. Let's see here. Next up is do 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 do. Robert. Shame on Obama. He did not send any javelins when Russia was invading and stealing Crimea. Good thing Donald 45 walked in the door on day one 
with total flexibility, stand against China, leave Hong Kong free from Robert. Robert Shields, hi. Good message. Good to talk to you, my man. I appreciate it. Um, Greg writes, hey, Buck, I was listening tonight and was reminded that producer Brandon likes ketchup with grilled cheese. I do as well. I'm 55 and discovered it at around 12 or 13. Haven't been able to eat a grilled cheese without it. Go, producer Brandon. Fairly new listener, about two months. Love the show. Well, thank you, Greg. Where are we haven't gotten you to weigh in? Where I agree 100%. I love ketchup on grilled cheese. Oh, wow. Can you eat one without it? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you I would prefer Brandon a tomato soup. That I, can, that I can roll with. I like but, tomato soup with grilled cheese. But ketchup? Are you barbarians? What's wrong with that? I don't know, man. That's like not so. That's just not done. All right. Say you have a hamburger. Yeah. You put ketchup on that, right? Yeah. It's like a cheeseburger without the There's burger. There's meat in there. So you're allowed to put ketchup on meat, but not on cheese. I don't. Understand. I would even go this far as to say if you were having a a grilled cheese with like grilled chicken in the middle, or you know, some. Which really I guess at that cheese. point, it's, it's basically a panini, which is a, a fancy name for a grilled cheese. Is grilled cheese bacon and tomato? Interesting. You put? Would you put ketchup on that? Uh, it depends like on my savage. Mood. Really? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I got to tell you, I become a mayo guy in my old age. Ugh. I love mayo. I, I look for excuses to put mayo on things. Two now. things I that will make me vomit even at the smell: mayonnaise and peanut butter. That's the weird. I don't even know where. You're I don't from. know why. I don't know how that's but possible. It's just those two things wow. disgust me. That's yeah. crazy to me, man. I love uh, peanut butter. I actually prefer almond butter because I'm bougie like that. Sure, but yeah, of course that doesn't surprise you. Well, I've told you uh, about the cookie butter. I'll even have a little cashew butter sometimes. Just, yeah, I know. Seriously, I, I, really I only like eat cashew butters. butter though when I'm wearing my top hat and my monocle. So anyway, David, first, thank you for your service to our country. I've been watching your show on Pluto for about a month. Well, thank you so much, David, for watching. Appreciate that. Pluto TV, Channel 248, the first. Secondly, uh, interesting that Elizabeth Warren did not take her husband's, her second husband's name. It would reveal her nature. Warren Mann, she is promoting the war on men. Um, also, I don't know if any journalists or media talk about how unfairly sided many of the Democrat wiki pages are compared to Republican. Thanks again, David from Philadelphia. God bless. Well, maybe the team can restore my Wikipedia page because the lib activists keep tearing it down. Someone decided that they were going to keep deleting my Wikipedia page. So, team, if you want to build one for me, that'd be great. Isn't that technically my job? No, and I think it was like people just can, anyone can do it. Yeah. But we had fans create a Wikipedia page sure. and then the libs tore it down. They said that it was, you know, not it didn't count or something. There was some, some lack of sourcing. You're, you're I'm not like famous enough. I mean, it's like there's, but there's people on there that you've never heard of. Anyone's ever heard of? You just source. You just use the sources, but the BuckSexton.com, and then it should work. Yeah, I mean, there's the Buck Sexton show on Wikipedia, but it should yeah. just be Buck Sexton. Damn it! All right, but if someone got mad at me for saying "damn" is a curse. I don't think that counts as a curse. I think we got to like have on the some, radio. Yeah, no, no. definitely not curses, and like I can't say it, but like I don't even think it's impolite to say. No. GD, I won't say, but sure. but just damn, I think you're allowed to say. Yeah, right? I mean, what do you prefer? I mean, won't, people won't, prefer darn? Didn't, didn't I mean, G, wouldn't Jesus be like, you know, people would you know, damn thee unto hell? It's obviously, like, I mean, isn't there, you know? They talk, they spoke a lot differently. Yeah, yeah, well, that. I was Aramaic. I mean, there's, or actually, yeah, it was Aramaic, right? I, I have Hebrew? no idea. Aramaic? Well, it was probably Hebrew, actually. Right? Yeah, because he was Jewish. A little bit of both. Yeah. All right, cool. Good talk. Um, Let's see here. Eric writes, first of all, you look like the program manager in WKRP Cincinnati with, without the blonde hair. Second, you can still play CDs in any DVD, Blu-ray player, or PC laptop with a drive. Shields high. Is that true? You can play an old school CD in a 
Yeah. DVD player? It's just finding a laptop. A DVD player, yeah, but finding, I think he's talking about like a laptop. I don't have, I have done, yeah, none of my exactly. laptops have a drive. Finding anymore. a laptop with a yeah. CD drive is impossible. You know what also I've learned, and this has happened to me a few times at recent holiday parties, when people come up to you and they, they I always appreciate it, as I said, when people come up to me and they want to talk about my work, but sometimes people come up, if they ever say, I just have a question for you, they don't have a question. They want to give me a speech yes. for somewhere in the five to 10 minute range mm-hmm. at a crowded event. And I always want to tell them, look, if you want to ask a question, that's great. If you want to have a quick chat, that's great. But if you want to say, I have a question, and then I get to hear mm. your version of Castro's speech about the latest sugar harvest, which lasted about four to six hours, depending on the day, I do have things I have to get to sure. sometimes. Was this at our company holiday party? No, no, of course okay. not. Our people, I'm talking about some mm. social ones that I've been to where people say, but whenever they start with, I want, I just have, a, if, if, they, if someone comes up and they just want to talk, that's always fine. It's when they say, I just have a question for you. That turns into like, so when I look at what Newt Gingrich did back in 1998 and I blah, 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 it's never actually a question. That must be the worst part about being a public political figure for you, right? No, I mean, I'm down to talk to anybody. I know you like I to just, talk to people, but the, the random people who just want to ro- drone on and on and on to you and waste your time. Um, it can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. And in social settings, it can be a challenge. Because sure. I'm like, I'm there to say hi to everybody and talk to people. And exactly. Be nice. I'm not talking about a radio event or something. That's different. Yeah. I mean, when I'm at like a normal cocktail party where I'm just a, a visitor trying to like get his, get his tequila on. When you're not radio host, Buck Sexton. Correct. Exactly. Anyway, it is what it is. Oh, man. The last segment of the last show of the second decade of the 21st century of the Buck Sexton Show. Wayne writes, hey, Buck, I'm a regular podcast listener. Never miss an episode. I have a new name for the drive-by media. Do you remember TASS? It was a press agency of the Soviet Union. Totalitarian activists supporting statism, we could call it. An apt acronym to bunch them all together. Um, Indeed, sir. That's uh, clever, and thank you for listening on the podcast. I appreciate it very, very much. Leo... um, who was the author on tonight about the long history of progressivism? His first name was Michael. Very interesting discussion. Michael Malice. We'll have Michael back. In fact, I think I'm doing his show sometime soon, so that'll be a fun thing. Um, he's a he's a feisty little fellow, but uh, we do enjoy we do enjoy chatting with each other. Um, Karen writes, Buck, heard you talking about Chick-fil-A and how you only get the chicken nuggets. I, too, have celiac and was thrilled to learn that in Massachusetts they have gluten-free buns from a real bakery. At Chick-fil-A. Wow. I went to try it out. The bun was pretty good. I wasn't too impressed with the chicken, however. My best experience was at Uno's Pizzeria. The gluten-free pizza is so good. Um, I had to ask four times if it was actually gluten-free. Well, anybody from the celiac community, if you're ever in New York City, the best gluten-free pizza in New York City is Keste, K-E-S-T-E pizza. It's amazing. It is like you will eat the entire pie. Don't think about the fact that you've eaten 1,500 calories or something. It's Legitimate question. Is cauliflower crust gluten-free? Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. I've had some great ones. Yeah, no, there's very good ones. Being health that's, conscious. Oh no, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But that's a very, that's a very good option for yes. folks. The cauliflower crust is delicious, and it definitely gets it done. Speaking of getting it done, the show is done. You do have though a special birthday message coming up December twenty seventh for my birthday on the twenty eighth. If you want to hear it, you have to subscribe on the iHeart app or Apple Podcast to the Buck Sexton Show. And my my request to all of you is uh, for my birthday present and for my Christmas present, get one person to start listening to the show who hasn't before. With that, it's been a wonderful year, everybody. Have a great Christmas, a great new year. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do here every day. 2020 is going to be our best year ever. I can assure you of that. Until then, Shields High.